Talk Money is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. <coughs> For updates, further breakdowns, and past episodes of this podcast, sign up at thetalkmoney.com. If you enjoy our podcast, help us get the word out. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to help us reach more ears. And now you can sign up for our newsletter, where we curate the best money topics of the week from across the internet. It's quick, informative, and most importantly, fun. Sign up at thetalkmoney.com slash newsletter. Hey everyone, Mesh here. In last week's episode, we heard from people at all different stages of home ownership. One of them was Saadi Khan, an entrepreneur with a long history in tech, from Microsoft to Facebook. He's also been investing in real estate for nearly 15 years and has cracked the code to creating a lucrative passive income with little volatility. So we sat down and asked, how'd he do it? Let's get started. What is it about real estate? I mean, just generally, globally, it's always been seen as a safe or somewhat of a promising asset. Why do you feel that is? I've been excited about real estate, Mesh, as we've kind of talked a little bit about for a very long time. I started investing in real estate almost 10 years ago or so, and I've been excited about it since day one. As you mentioned, real estate has been historically considered a relatively uh, safe asset. One of the things I think that people often misconstrue about real estate is that people often think real estate has relatively low returns. But in fact, real estate has had excellent returns over the last 150 years or so, if you look at it and annualize global returns. And if you look at it from a risk-adjusted basis, real estate is, frankly, the best-performing asset. And so there's actually some really good data that was published by the economics department at Harvard, which analyzed over the last 145 to 150 years the net total returns, both nominal and real, for housing as an investment class and compared that to like equity, bonds, or T-bills and found that actually the actual mean return, uh, both real and nominal, over the last 150 years was actually higher for housing than it was for equity. Keep in mind, this includes rental return, which is often kind of left out from analysis of, of home equity returns. And this is kind of where that and a fallacy of home equity returns being roughly indexed to inflation comes from, which is they're often not looking at actually rental income returns on top of the home equity returns. But if you combine them both, housing returns is actually higher than equity returns over the last 150 years. In the post-1950, the last 70 years or so, equity returns has outstripped housing returns, but frankly, not by that much. And frankly, the standard deviation of those returns is almost 2x on equity compared to housing. And so if you look at it from a risk-adjusted basis, you know, housing is almost two to three times better as an investment class than equities and is substantially better than bonds. In fact, on both returns as well as variance. So I do think people's intuition is very correct that over a long enough time horizon, housing is frankly the best risk-adjusted return asset class. And when we're talking about home equity versus rental what is primarily the difference between the two? It seems like there's a different mindset, especially when you're talking about people who are buying homes to invest in. You have some people yeah. who buy, sell it, or flip it, and then you have some people who buy it as a long-term income-generating investment. I think there is broadly kind of two uh, approaches that, well, there's a few approaches, but two that you know are often kind of talked about. One is the buy and sell, like the flipping model. You know, you buy a home relatively cheap, you do some work on it, and then you kind of sell it off to, to somebody else. And then there's kind of the buy, hold, 
and generate return for a long time horizon investors. And they are often coming at it from two different angles. One tends to work better on an up market, but tend to have, frankly, higher volatility, which is the buy and flip model. But they tend to make relatively high returns per transaction. Whereas folks who buy, hold, rent it out for a very long time and sell at some later point, if ever, tend to have lower returns per, for example, year or per transaction, obviously, but tend to have lower volatility or lower variance and generally lower risk. Now, I come from very much the school of thought where I like to you know, buy a home and I have to this day never sold a home that I have bought. So as you can imagine, I like to buy and hold frankly, forever, as long as the deal is still great and the opportunity cost isn't high, and just rent it out. And yes, to your point, I think that's a more kind of potentially conservative mindset, but a mindset where you're essentially not taking as much of an active role in the investment as you would take if you're buying and improving and then flipping, where you're doing actually a lot of work. And I think this is often a really important thing around real estate investment that a lot of people don't talk about as much, is there's different strategies that you can use to invest in real estate which can not only vary in terms of return and risk, but also vary in terms of how much work you actually need to do as as an individual to get those returns. And I personally come from the school of thought is that, you know, I have a full-time job at Microsoft and Facebook, which can be pretty intense. And I don't have a lot of time to kind of like do a lot of repairs, a lot of work on a home that I've bought. And so I prefer the buy and hold for a very long time and generate rental returns on it as the kind of preferred strategy for free real estate investments, at least for me. And that has worked reasonably well for me. As your career was blossoming, clearly you had some capital to start looking at what you wanted to invest in. How did you come to the decision that you wanted to be a real estate investor? I'm assuming that you looked at a bunch of different things, whether you wanted to flip a home or invest in startups or bond stocks. How did you come to that decision? I think it was actually quite a long time ago now that I look back at it. In fact, it started in my teenage years when I really wanted to be financially independent. And I spent a lot of time thinking about what are the different strategies that I could use to get to financial independence. And you know, the kind of core pieces of getting to financial independence is that you want to have a reliable source of income. And reliability here means it's relatively low volatility in the mathematical sense, that there is not a lot of variance month over month. And it should be you know, well indexed against inflation, so it deals with inflation as it arises. And ideally, it needs to have a return profile that's high enough that I don't need to make like $100 million to be able to live off the returns of it. And so I did a ton of research on different asset classes. In, once I had graduated from college and had started working at Microsoft, I think I was in my early 20s at this point, and I looked at bonds, I looked at T-bills, I looked at obviously the stock market and index fund investing, etc. And I just didn't see anything that had the same return as housing does while maintaining the relatively low volatility that rental return income has from housing. And that's different, for example, from home equity volatility. So home equity is often actually more volatile than rental income. And I was looking for something more like rental income because I wanted the returns and the lower volatility that rental income gets you from housing investments. And so basically the TLDR of this was that the equities volatility was too high. The stock market has really good returns, but it's just very volatile month over month and year over year. And then bonds, the returns were just too low. And in fact, if you look at it over a long enough time horizon, bonds are much lower return than housing, but similarly volatile actually as housing. And so that just didn't feel like as good of an asset class as 
investing in just housing as an asset class in and of itself. And so that's where I concluded that homes are where I wanted to be. And this was roughly, you know, just like a year or so after the bottom of the 2007, 2008 crisis. And that's when I started buying my first home and starting to really, you know, dig into that and started investing in real estate. And in the beginning, I didn't have that much income. I was fortunate enough still to be able to buy a home every year, 18 months or so. And I kind of like continued to accelerate that over the years. Can you tell us about the first property you bought? One, because I think it's always good to come back to your first memory of how you decided where you wanted to buy, that your price point. Because I do think once you live outside of places like San Francisco and New York, and I just spent three months in Florida, you realize that there's actually a market that's quite more realistic than where you live if you're living in a big metropolitan city. So would love to take us back to your first property that you ever bought and what went through your head during the whole process. So I grew up in high school in Florida, and so I was kind of exposed to the Florida market somewhat, but I was working in Washington in Seattle at the time. And this is about, I think, a year or so after the bottom of the 2008 crisis. I had been doing some research in real estate, as I kind of spoke about earlier, and the real estate market in Florida just looked very prime. And so the first home that I bought was in South Florida. It was in Fort Lauderdale, and it was a foreclosed property that was for sale. And I bought it completely sight unseen and remotely, essentially online, and with like a mobile notary or whatever the process was. And it was for about eighty to $90,000. And I, I remember that price less than I remember how much money was actually left in my bank account after I bought that home. And I believe <laughs> it was less than $100 was left in my bank account. Because remember, this was a foreclosed property, so I needed to buy it in cash. I couldn't you know, get a loan for it at that time. And this was my first property, so... I just bought it in cash. I think I had less than 100 bucks left after purchasing that property. And so now it's been, I think, almost 10 years, and I've been super fortunate on that property. And it's you know, gone up, I think, three to four times in value. But more important than that, actually, than the value increase in the equity, has been that that property has been generating, I think it started off generating like $1,200 or $1,300 of income per month. But now it generates something like $1,600, $1,700 of rent per month. And it's been doing that for the last 10 years. And I think I've had that home not rented out for a cumulative sum of maybe two and a half to three months over the last 10 years. And I remember when I bought it, it was, you know, a foreclosed property. And if you can remember that time, there was, you know, a lot of folks who you know, didn't leave these properties in great states. And when I bought this home, it didn't even have a front door. So I had to, you know, hire folks to go do some repairs on the home and put in a front door to the house so that we could have it be in a place where it could be rented out to tenants. But it was it was just complete crazy. But I was so lucky that I did it, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do it at that time. With a little bit of luck, a ton of research, and a lot of thoughtful purchases, Sadi's cushioning his future without all the ups and downs of other kinds of investments. He makes a good case for taking the less flashy path. Sure, meme stock is fun, but there's something to be said for buying a solid, dependable building. And Sadi shows no signs of slowing down. This episode was produced by Olivia Briley and me, Meshlakani. It was mixed by Valentino Rivera with help from Eduardo Perez and featured music by Blue Dot Sessions. If you can, write us a review. It goes a long way and helps us get discovered. Please share this episode with your friends and stay tuned on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. Until next time.